everyone, it's John. And Ben. And happy 2021. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And this is Santa by the Minute, the podcast where Ben and I talk about 1985's Christmas classic Santa Claus the Movie. Oh, one minute at a time. And we're here to bring you your dose of Christmas cheer all year round. Yeah. It, it may yeah. be the, you know, kind of the, 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 the period after Christmas, but we're going to bring you some Christmas every single week. Yeah, but I mean, we're talking about a movie, you know, so it's not like we're just talking about things that we celebrate on Christmas, you know, multiple things. No offense to any of our podcast, Christmas podcaster friends. Right, right, right. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. I didn't want that. That shouldn't have sounded insulting. I like their podcasts, too. (laughs) We love you guys. Yes, we do. And what better way to kick off 2021 than talking about Minute 41 of yeah, Santa yeah. Claus the movie. <laughs> it's a little bit of a stretch, but okay. I thought that was a smooth segue. <laughs> so the minute we're about to talk about is actually the first minute of the movie since minute number three to not feature either Santa or Patch. Mm-hmm. Both those characters are absent from this minute. Right. We have a Santa in the minute, but not the Santa. And this is going to be the third minute in a row that Patch hasn't appeared. Mm-hmm. But don't worry, he's going to make a grand comeback next week. So yeah. if you're tuning in for your Patch fix, you'll <laughs> have to wait one more week. Yep, one more week. But we do have a lot to talk about this week. We do. So we pick up on the night of December 25th, 1982. We established that last week. And I have to apologize, but I was very defensive <laughs> last week. I was all fired up about the snow globe. <laughs> that it took me like the whole podcast were to sink in that you weren't arguing that point. No, You're I wasn't. You trying to convince me that the date is actually Christmas Day. It was the time jump that I, I yeah. was off on. Yeah. So yeah, this but- is... You were so passionate. You didn't let me explain <laughs> what was going on, but it's okay. I'm like used I was to all it. I was all ready for you to disagree that there was a magical snow globe. But <laughs> listening back, it's like, oh man, I was I was pretty fired up, but so fired up that <laughs> took me a while to realize what Ben was actually trying to tell me. So I apologize right. for that. It's okay. So anyway, go back to last week's episode because Ben and I have determined our timeline for this movie, which I feel is accurate. I think it's accurate as well. I think probably from here until when it changes to 1983 might be a little murky, but I think what we have is is correct. Considering what we have to go on, I think, I right. think it's pretty accurate. <laughs> right. <laughs> so anyway, we are continuing. This is Christmas night, December 25th, 1982. Mm-hmm. We see the sidewalk Santa reaching into the collection box. And he takes out a handful of money. Yeah. I love this performance because not only is the actor who's playing the street corner Santa, like, kind of glancing back and forth to make sure nobody's looking as he's taking the urban development fund money, but it also looks like he's, like, kind of, like, kind of disappointed that it's not more money. Mm. Gives you, like, when you're doing this type of podcast, you really appreciate the little touches that these character actors threw in. Yeah. You can almost feel like it's like, oh, that's all I got. Yeah, they do a good job, really. Meanwhile, across the street, we see Joe is watching with an unimpressed look on his face. Next, we see Street Corner Santa pull a paper bag out of the box, and he takes a drink of booze. We think. 
I'm I'm fairly certain this is he he's a drunk. <laughs> well, I'm sure he is, but I'm just saying we don't know that for sure. Well, usually you can't the br- see. usually the brown paper bag in movies and TV shows <laughs> is uh, indication that he's drinking an alcoholic Alcohol. beverage. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And Joe actually makes a comment later when he meets the real Santa. It's right. like, oh, you're just a drunk like the ones I see all the time. Right. I do have a vague memory of being a kid watching this movie and asking my parents what was what was he drinking out of the oh. box. So <laughs> thanks to Santa Claus the movie, I probably <laughs> learned <laughs> not only about the magic of Christmas, but uh-huh. pe- a lot of people drink their alcohol out of paper bags. Joe shakes his head in disgust. Then he unwraps a stick of gum and puts it in his mouth. Now, before we move on, because we're going to be transitioning into Cornelia's um, part of this scene, I have some stuff to mention. Because... Okay, I, I do as well, so I'll let you go okay. first. Okay, because um, I do have a little bit about Joe before we move on, because that is what this kid's name is. You know, we don't know that yet if we're just watching the movie for the first time. He's just a kid on the street, but... We all know he's Joe. We know he's for Joe. For the past 35 some odd years, we, we know it is Joe. <laughs> and If you're listening to this podcast, you know it's Joe. <laughs> <laughs> and I also just want to add, uh, before I get into a little bit about Joe, is that this um, drunken Santa is not in the book. Oh, interesting. Yeah, he's... In the book, because I will get into that in a second here, in the book, Joe is actually looking at something else, not Santa. Um, according to the book, Joe is 10 years old and he never knew his father and his mother died more than a year ago. Oh, that's sad. Yep. He went to an orphanage, but he ran away because he didn't like what he saw in the system. So he ran away and decided to try to live on his own. And then... This, what he's actually looking at, what he's actually looking at is not a drunken Santa, but he is actually watching two older boys who just came home from shopping and they had like bags and like packages in their arms and um, they're walking into a brownstone and he was watching them longing for what they had inside that house with a a warm dinner and a family that cared about them. So not a drunken Santa, but a very, like, sad, (laughs) longing moment. So we teased it last week, but let's go ahead and talk about the actor who played Joe. Mm -hmm. This is Christian Fitzpatrick, and this was his first role. He did very good for this being his first ever acting role. And his only other role in a movie was in 1988's Vice Versa. Stop dumping on me, Dad! I've been up since six, and I have a very tough day ahead. I wish I could change places with you. Well, I wish I could, too. Inside Marshall Seymour, successful businessman, divorced father, and self-styled workaholic beats the heart of a little boy. Because Marshall Seymour is about to become his 11-year-old son... Charlie. Awesome. And vice versa. Maybe this happened all over America. What's gonna happen to you? You're six foot two with the brain of an eleven year old. Charlie may be getting to that age. He's losing it. Uh-huh. 
doesn't think he has a crush on me. No way! You never told me you had to see my home room teacher. You never told me what happy practice. I'm in the tub, do you mind? This is the woman. I couldn't live with as a husband. And now I'm gonna be her son. I'll do anything you want, Sam. It's not what I want. It's what we want as a unit. She's worried about your unit, Dad. It's a Floridian nightmare. Judge Reinhold. Are you all right? Do I look all right? Fred Savage. I don't suppose you have any great coupon. Vice versa. What if we're stuck like this? Oh, my God. I have to go through puberty again. With Fred Savage and Judge Reinhold, it was sort of a Freaky Friday thing. It's like I don't even know if I, I don't even know if I see it. It sounds like somewhat familiar, but I feel like the adult switches places with kids thing was a big thing in around that time in the eighties. Yeah, there were a lot of versions of that. <laughs> so maybe we'll have to watch uh, Vice Versa. Mm. We'll have to add it to our queue. Yeah. <laughs> of things we need to watch that are sort of related to Santa Claus the movie. Like, all right, maybe we should finally watch Arthur. Yeah. And the Saul Kind Superman movies. Maybe. After he got out of movie acting, I don't know what became of Christian. I don't know. I don't, I've never found any interviews that he's done. Some of those Where Are They Now Child Actor articles from like four, five, ten years ago linked to a LinkedIn page that hasn't been updated in about a decade or so. <laughs> so I, I hope Christian is doing well. And if, if this manages to get to him, if he wants to be on our show, we'd love to have you. Right, Ben? Right. Absolutely. So while all of this is happening, you know, Joe's stuck the gum in his mouth. We're hearing a little bit more of It's Christmas Again being sung by the choir. <laughs> it's really, really hard to hear. I had to, like, turn up the volume all the way with my earbuds in. Mm-hmm. And you would only know what they're saying by going off of the lyrics. You can right. kind of make out the tune because there's, once again, all the hustle and bustle and cars going by. So anyway, as it's focusing on the window across the street you're hearing them say may all of your years be filled with good cheer until it is christmas again and while that's being sung you also hear the santa resuming his calling out merry christmas And then the instrumental, like, really swells up. And coming into focus. Who's coming into focus, Ben? Cornelia. Cornelia's coming into focus. She's the little girl watching Joe from across the street in the window of that fancy townhouse. They actually catch a glimpse of each other and share a smile before Cornelia gets interrupted by her nanny. Yes. Who says... Cornelia, come away from that window this instant. So this is Cornelia's nanny. I don't think her name is ever mentioned by name within the movie, only in the end credits, but I imagine in the book she's mentioned by name. Yes, her name is Miss Tucker. It is mentioned quite a few times in the book. Miss Tucker appears to be knitting a doily. Yes. Unless I'm mistaken. She is knitting, yes. Or crocheting something similar. Definitely looks like a doily to me. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I don't know what else it would be. I mean, it could be anything, I suppose, but looks she's doily-esque. A, she <laughs> seems like the woman who would appreciate a good doily. <laughs> yes. I don't even know what the purpose of doilies are, but I know that my grandparents had them all over the place. So in the in the movie, um, she is crocheting, knitting a doily, and Cornelia is supposed to be working on homework. 
as she is being scolded for not doing here. But in the book, um, they're actually supposed to be, they're eating a meal. And Cornelia is not in what looks like a school uniform, but she is in a, a red dress that she received that day. You know, that would make a lot more sense because I was a point, about to point out, it's like, this is Christmas evening and Cornelia's all dressed up like she's going to go to private school. Right. Like she's in her little school uniform and doing homework on Christmas night. She probably has another week or so off from school. Like lay off of her, Miss Tucker. <laughs> yeah, in the book, in the book, um, let's see. Uh, so in the book, as Cornelia watched, the boy glanced up at her and her standing in the window, her face lit by the street lamp just outside. Her eyes met his dark, wary ones, and he held her gaze for a moment that seemed to go on and on. And in that moment, Cornelia felt as if a kind of electric shock tingled through her. In that moment, she seemed to understand everything about him, that he had no home, no parents to care for him. Her hands clenched to the edge of the heavy drapes. Sudden tears of sympathy burned in her eyes. She wanted to call out to him and run out into the street, ask him his name, and tell him her own because she knew how lonely he must be because they were so much alike and she had no one to care for her either so well, sad well, we'll get <laughs> this is super sad yeah we'll get to that shortly miss tucker tells cornelia that she can hear the music perfectly well from inside the house you can still actually hear the carolers singing mm-hmm. from outside yeah once again, I have jacked up the volume all the way to try to decipher <laughs> what they say. And it actually sounds like the audio is chopped up a little bit. Yeah. But the lyrics that we would be hearing in this minute would be, Carolers sing, cathedral bells ring, they're welcoming Christmas again. And that's all we hear in this minute, or kind of sort of hear in this minute. Mm-hmm. You know, according to the comic book, they're actually singing Silent Night. Interesting. <laughs> Probably because it was a recognizable um, Christmas song, you know, other than a, a one written for the movie. And we don't know when the comic book was written compared to the movie either. So Miss so Tucker, the nanny here, was played by Dorothea Phillips. She was born in 1928. She's another character actor. I wish I had uh, emailed Jack from Total Christmas Podcast, but we'll see Miss Tucker again, so... <laughs> We'll have to ask Jack for his take on uh, Dorothea. She appeared in numerous British shows and movies where she usually played the strict nurse or the strict nanny or the strict nun or, like, the stuck-up woman. She definitely had a type. She has credits dating back to 1957, and besides Santa Claus the movie, us Americans would uh, probably recognize her from her role as Mrs. Mirthless, a character in... Disney's 102 Dalmatians in 2000, the sequel to the live-action 101 Dalmatians, but the one with Glenn Close. Mm-hmm. And I guess Mrs. Mirthless, you can imagine what type of character that, <laughs> that she'd be playing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I guess we need to add 102 Dalmatians to our, yeah. our uh, Netflix queue or Disney+. Plus. <laughs> I'm sure that one's on Disney+. Plus. Maybe. <laughs> Speaking of Disney sequels... That leads me into Carrie Kay. Carrie <laughs> Kay Heim is Cornelia. Born in 1973, and much like Christian, she was a relatively unknown child actor when cast in this movie. Now, we talked to Carrie briefly about her other two major film roles, 
and their lack of availability when we talked to her a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. She appeared in the ABC Weekend Special Adaption of Pippi Longstocking in 1985, where she played Pippi Longstocking. Right. Mm-hmm. I shall start school today. Hooray! But she doesn't quite fit in with the other children. How much is five and seven? Well, if you don't know, I'm not going to tell you. And when school doesn't work out... It's off to the children's home for you. The search for Pippi's father turns a town upside down. Don't miss the conclusion of Pippi Longstocking. So while I was editing this... I watched the clip that John shared with me for me to grab the audio off from it from the Pippi Longstocking special, and it just shook loose a whole bunch of memories that I guess I didn't realize that was Cornelia or I forgot about it. I don't know. But that Pippi Longstocking special, I loved, and I even dressed up as Pippi for Halloween based off from that Pippi Longstocking. So it's so funny. I didn't even realize. I didn't connect to them until watching this clip. So it's so funny how um, Carrie's characters have like shaped my whole childhood and I didn't even know that they were related at all like that. I I don't even know if I knew they were the same person. I can't remember. But anyway, I just thought it was funny and I had to share. Of course, she was also Nikki Ferris in 1986, The Parent Trap 2. Haley Mills reprises her dual role as Sharon and Susan in Parent Trap 2. I love surprises. This time, the surprise is on the twins, when Sharon's daughter hatches a matchmaking scheme. Doesn't Mr. Grant have the most fantastic blue eyes you've ever seen? Susie. A double dose. Susie. Susan. Of double whammies. Sharon. In Parent Trap 2. After The Parent Trap 2, she left acting and went on to become a lawyer and a published author. Mm-hmm. Yes. So let's uh, have Carrie take it from here. Once I heard we were gonna, that you agreed to this, it's like, oh, we got to watch Parent Trap 2. Do you, <laughs> you have to make some phone calls, Carrie, because it's not on Disney+. Plus. It's like, what am I paying $6.99 a month for if I can't watch The Parent Trap 2 whenever I want? That is a valid point. That's a valid point. <laughs> I'm not convinced that I have any clout whatsoever. Oh, man. <laughs> you don't have like the direct hotline. But but yeah, no, I don't I don't even think we have our own DVD. I think we have the DVD combo set with original parent traps. So yeah, there's yeah. even Haley Mills is in that one. And I think she did like two or three more after after that one. She did. She did three with triplets and I think there was like a parent trap three slash Hawaiian vacation something or yep, other. I was so, about to say it's like yeah. I wasn't yeah I think it was like a Hawaiian thing. I haven't seen these since I was a kid. So I was like they been... gotta be on Disney Plus. It's like no, no. So technically that was Susan. Sharon was my mom. So that entire twin half got locked down. So Susan was the one who ended oh, up. Oh, so that's life. how they explained it because like like I said, I barely remember this. It's like, what Haley Mills was she the daughter of? Also, the, I never saw them. <laughs> <laughs> this, is it the British one or the tomboy one? Mm-hmm. And you were also in a Pippi Longstocking that I also can't find on the internet anywhere. That was, I guess Disney owns that now too, since it was on ABC. I never really thought about that. Yeah, um, the ABC Saturday morning special with OG Readmore, the 
puppet orange cat who wants you to read more. It's very, <laughs> very subtle. Like I found like a little promo of it and like I, I see a clip. Of, that's how I think... I, that, see, that's how I have to search for it on the internet. <laughs> on YouTube. It's like, how come nobody's uploaded this? And like, I think it's you. Is that you riding in on a horse into the classroom? It's like in that clip. I do, I do, despite my horse allergy. Yeah, that, so I was trying to- There was a make... horse scene in Parent Trap 2 as well. <laughs> That's why you got out of acting. It's like, no more horses. I'm done with horses. Everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> Unbelievable. The amount of Benadryl I took, or yeah, I took another brand technically, but yeah, it, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> Not the problem you think you're gonna have to be dealing with, you know. What's your biggest recollection of being in the industry of Hollywood? Well, taking allergy tablets <laughs> for my serious horse allergies. <laughs> I know you'd think that more people would have just direct access to horses the way they make it out in movies and shows and stuff. <laughs> it's like, I don't know if I've ever touched a horse. <laughs> mm -hmm. Everybody yeah. has a horse connection somewhere. <laughs> it's like the big loft apartments in all the New York shows, like giant yeah. apartments and horses. This is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what TV land gets you. <laughs> the inside of this townhouse looks very spacious. It does. It does. It looks way bigger on the inside than on the outside. So we know the owner must be wealthy. I wonder who the owner could be. I don't know. You can hear the music perfectly well at the table while you do your homework. American history sitting around half done. If you think that your step uncle is going to stand for this kind of a... Never so... According to the book, <laughs> Miss Tucker was a tight-lipped nanny and saw to her every need, as competently but as coldly as a robot. Cornelia glanced down at the simple, very expensive red and white dress that she had just gotten yesterday and was forced to wear in spite of the fact that she preferred blue jeans. I don't think she, we've. I don't think we ever saw Cornelia in blue jeans in this movie. The very end of the movie, I think she's wearing blue jeans. Maybe. She might be surrounded by every comfort and certainly every toy anyone can imagine, but she was still an orphan who cried herself to sleep at night and dreamed of her mother's warm arms. Cornelia. Okay. I know. Cornelia sighed, letting go of the drapes again, glancing reluctantly back into the living room as the high nasal drone of Miss Tucker's voice intruded insistently in her private thoughts. I'm warning you, Cornelia, your step uncle is not going to tolerate those grades. Imagine a B minus in geography. And then that is where uh, the book cuts off for the minute. But it goes on a little bit more kind of like in the movie. So th their conversation kind of changed a little bit from the novel to the movie. Yeah, the way it plays out for the remainder of our minute is if your step uncle and then Cornelia says he's never. <laughs> That's where our minute ends. Yeah. Just a couple more observations before we wrap it up. On that table by the window, you can see like an I think you see it better in the next minute. But there's like an old timey very antique looking rotary phone. I wonder if it's just a decoration or if it's actually in use. Oh yeah, it's probably in use. I mean, 1985 rotary phones were still very common. True. And the other thing is like when you get close up on Cornelia, I cannot tell what this gold frilly thing is that's in the foreground. It's out of focus. 
Oh, oh, oh. It's just the it's just the side of the fruit bowl. You see the fruit bowl in front of Miss Tucker slightly before she walks to the table? Oh yeah, it's the handle of the fruit bowl. Yeah. It's just the other ver- other side of the fruit bowl. Okay, I see. I see now. Because I even referenced the high definition version. Like, what is that? It looks like a bird, or like a bird made <laughs> out of like golden string or something. But now I totally see that it's the handle of the bowl of fruit. Yes. Real? Do you think that's real fruit or fake fruit? Oh, fake fruit. Like wax apples and grapes and stuff. Yeah, you can actually. I don't know if you can see it in the. Um, high definition better but you can kind of see a hole in the bottom of this one piece of fruit right here that looks like a seam and a hole right in the bottom the green fruit that is sitting right on top like right in the middle you could see like a black hole and then (laughs) kind of like a line like it's like a seam of the fruit i don't know if they're supposed to be real or fake but I know that my gram my my step grandmother was very fond of having fake fruit around her house, so I think it was a thing, you know. Yeah, that's what I'm sort of thinking too. And I do apologize yeah. for mentioning fake grapes. There are no grapes visible in this golden <laughs> no <laughs> golden fruit bowl slash goblet thing that's on the table yeah. in front of Miss Tucker. I wonder if there's supposed to be like a candle in the top of it, because do- or maybe that's a different part. Like that's something oh, else. Yeah now, yeah, now I see this thing protruding out of yeah. the, like the center of the bowl, but I don't know if that's further on in the background. But it looks like it's in front of the chair that would be next to Mrs. Tucker. So I think it's the center of this fruit bowl is has a place for a candle to be put on top. It definitely seems like something rich people back yeah. then would spend money on. And probably now they probably go to the antique shop. Oh, yeah. Buy I'm something sure. like that. Yeah. Definitely. And that's where my notes end, right when Cornelia says he's never. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else to add, any loose ends from the book before we wrap it up this week? Um, uh, let me see. So according to the comic, it says, at that very moment. So this is kind of taking uh, minute 40 and 41, you know, when uh, Santa looks at the snow globe. And then he goes, huh, ain't that a clever thing? At that very moment, on a New York street in front of a house that could have come from an inside of Patch's snowball, it has a Santa saying, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, with a box next to him that says, Give to the poor children. And the band and the chorus on the corner of the street are playing Silent Night, Holy Night. And there's Joe walking by himself. And this Santa is... He doesn't take a drink of anything in the comic book. He is just taking money out of the out of the box and putting it into his pocket, you know, like he does. But he doesn't take a drink or anything. And Joe goes, that's Christmas and Santa Claus for you. Nothing but fakery. And uh, then it moves on to Cornelia with Miss Tucker um, telling her to get away from the window. And she is, she's, she's, um, knitting in the comic book too, so. It's understandable why they didn't have him take a swig of booze in the comic book. Yeah. So I guess that's going to wrap up minute number 41. Mm-hmm. This was a. That was actually a quick one. I know, but it feels like a full one. Yeah. A lot of information. 
As always, if you want to send us a message about this minute or anything Santa Claus the movie related, you can email us at SantaByTheMinute at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. At Santa Minute. And Ben and I post a brand new episode each and every Wednesday. And you can listen to any of those episodes. For free!